Good morning and welcome to the uh, Wisdom Seekers class. I saw the live sign and I had to get to talking this morning. It is really good to be here with you today and to be able to share um, what the Lord has placed on my heart. And just to give a little backdrop, um, I came across this word a couple of weeks before the seminar. Once the seminar happened, I thought, why am I still bringing forth this word? And of course, I asked the Lord for something else. I didn't really want to be redundant with my teaching. As you will see, it covers, you know, several things that we discussed over the past few weeks and particularly the seminar so um, God obviously had um, something further he wanted to say regarding some of these topics and I'll be honest with you all week long I didn't know what that was so it was it was a bit disconcerting when you think about just rehashing something that someone else has already said better than you can <laughs> so um but I did the only thing that I could do, and that was continue to um, sit on this and, and uh, pray about this and um, look through the passages and just ask the Lord for <coughs> further direction on how he wanted me to focus this teaching. And um, so he, he did finally, at the midnight hour, literally, um, he spoke some things to me that um, you know are not necessarily different but maybe just from another perspective on some of these topics and so I really am going to be asking the Lord for help this morning to to speak these things to the Saints father I I'm grateful for the way that you lead us and the way that you bring about um, your word and you um, speak to us about it and you you teach us many things while we're going through the process that sometimes don't have anything to do with the word but it's just a process of waiting and trusting and really trying not to do things in your own strength or to contrive something but to trust in your process as we as we just submit ourselves to your plan and I thank you for this word. I thank you for the saints, for all that you accomplished this past week. That was really um, just magnificent and miraculous in too many ways to even account in my own life. So I give thanks. And I know that all the saints feel the same way about your presence and about um, what you were doing um, in our midst. So we give thanks for that. I ask for you to be with us throughout this day and help us to carry the things that you um, give to us and lay upon our hearts to accomplish for you. In Jesus' name, amen. So to begin, I'm going to um, go over this definition. You know, I don't even remember what verse I was looking at that had me stumble across this and I'm sure many of you as you are studying every day you've learned how to click on a word 
see what it is look up the meaning you know do some due diligence regarding that so that when you're looking at any scripture you really have the fuller scope of what's happening there but based on the pneumaticos understandings that we have so I'm the same way I'm I'm reading and then I do little studies as I read and this was just one of them and several of the passages really struck me as something that I felt like were coming across my path and things that I had to um, submit to and kind of process and I and I, of course I knew teaching was coming up in the next month so those things happen and I just keep it on the you know I keep it on the side thinking you never know right and there were several things that I had been looking at and you know how sometimes you look things up you look at them you go, oh no and you just keep moving you know there's nothing there it's not that I'm just looking for a teaching and so I'm just but you know what I mean I mean God's speaking to you about something or he's not really and you kind of can discern that well again bearing something we've talked a lot about bearing children what it means to have a burden what it means to bring something to birth we've talked about barrenness and breaking that barrenness we've talked about a lot of these terms and this may have been taught sometime in the past it it may be a part of one of your books that it was so long ago I can't remember that far but it wasn't in line upon line so I don't know if I missed it somehow or what but all I can say is that the concept from this perspective today was new to me or it just said some new things to me it comes from the word bear comes from the Greek word bastazo and it says that it it may be um, remotely derived from the word basis because it relates to maybe removing something but the word itself means to lift which is different from arrow which is another word which means to bear in the New Testament but it also can mean to endure something to declare sustain receive to take up with the hands to take up in order to carry or to bear to put upon oneself something to be carried to bear what is burdensome and so it, you know it goes on it's this, this the, de the definitions kind of repeat themselves and the word basis as we know means to walk it means the stepping the process the journey as it were and we know that basis is also the root word for basilia which is the word kingdom and we had an amazing revelation about those connections regarding the kingdom and where we walk and take dominion but this word truly does define something that you have to carry through your journey it is a walk and it when it says um, that it's through the idea of removal maybe once you have completed your task then that what you've been bearing is no longer part of what your journey is so I don't know that I, I just looking at the definition trying to um, come to some clarity for myself maybe but for me the main point was the fact that I knew that it had to do with what I was called to do what you are called to do and what that means for your walk because you are carrying something every person is carrying something that God has given and all these verses there when it says um, 
to put upon oneself. I didn't see any verses that related to someone going, I'm just going to carry this water. I mean, every verse had to do with something God had you doing. So, you know, again, that definition, um, I didn't really see that bearing out, bearing out through the scriptures that I was looking at. But again, um, I really feel like this has to do with um, our particular callings and how we view what we've been called to do and how how we our perspective deals with that load okay so let's just start with this first passage in Matthew um, chapter 3 verse 11 knowing your calling it says I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance but he that cometh after me is mightier than I whose shoes I am not worthy to bear he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire now the passages around this are really interesting John the Baptist is actually talking to the scribes and Pharisees and you know he's he's telling them what for and and he's basically talking about how you know the shaft is going to be burned I mean you guys who don't do what the Lord is saying you're going to be weeded out but this particular passage with John the Baptist talking about Jesus, the only thing I'm focusing on is the fact that John the Baptist knew the difference between his calling and the calling of Jesus. So the word worthy, which you could have had axios, but hakenos is similar in that you're not sufficient. You don't have what it takes to bear the burden or to carry what Jesus is going to be doing. I mean, he didn't even think he could carry the shoes, which really speaks of the walk that Jesus had. So it was very clear to John the Baptist that he had a purpose and that Jesus had a purpose. They both were carrying something, but it wasn't the same. And so John the Baptist wasn't even going to attempt to do what Jesus came to do. He, he made it clear to everyone that I can't even carry the dude's shoes. I can't even, so I just found this really interesting. I think it speaks to us that we, we just walked right past that because everyone knows they're not Jesus, right? But, but back then, Jesus was just, was just another man to many. You know what I mean? So it is similar to our time today where we look at someone and we need to know that person has something to carry. And even if your load is heavier than theirs, you still can't carry their load. You still are not equipped to carry what someone else has been, been called to do. I just find that really interesting. We're, we're certainly walking in a time frame when I believe we have a greater understanding of that. We're not running around trying to be the same. You know, oh, she's got this. Oh, how come she got to do that? Oh, how come he's doing this? You know. I can do that, you know, but we need to know that that person and everything that goes with that burdening, everything that goes with their calling is something that they are actually, it's like a load. They're bearing it up. They're carrying it. And we don't want to, um, well, we can get into that later, but let's just say we're to support each other in the things that we were called to bury, to bury, <laughs> to not to bury, but to bear. Okay? Let's look at the cross. 
John 19, verses 16 through 18. So we are talking about Jesus. Then delivered he him, therefore unto him, them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away. And he, bearing his cross, went forth into the place uh, called the place of a skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha. They crucified him there and two other with him on either side, one and Jesus in the midst. So using this verse just to, to show that, you know, in the scripture it talks about one, our elder brother, Christ, who did bear the cross. He carried that cross from the time he was born. That cross was part of what he was bearing. It's not just, to me, literal. It is figurative that through his life, this was something that he carried. And plus, at some point, I don't know, you know if it was when he was a child. We don't know this. When he knew what his end result was going to be or how it was going to come about. He may have, you know, they may have been talking about it up in heaven. And I'm going to take, I'm sending you down there, and you're going to have to go through this, and this is going to be the end result. That may have been the case. It doesn't discuss that necessarily in the scripture. But one way or the other, we know at some point Jesus did know, and he was carrying that burden knowingly. And I know through scripture we can see that it really did weigh upon him. And often the, the scripture does detail that. But I just wanted to bring that up as a. Uh, just a proof script, as it were, regarding what it means to bear something. So us, counting the cost, this is one of the verses that um, was um, spoken of briefly, recently. Luke 14, verse 26 through 33. If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost? And we've read that recently. You're familiar with that story. So I'm not going to read it. But the thing that the Lord really began to rehearse with me are the different times where I was counting the cost because I think we kind of joked about this after the session and at least at least I did I don't know if anyone else was joking but I was like how I can remember in the beginning I didn't know what the cost was going to be I didn't even have a concept of what that meant you know laying down my life for something but I did it I remember coming back from Brownsville and making a declaration publicly that, you know, I would do anything, go anywhere, you know, whatever God wanted me to do, that was my declaration. And that was something that I meant in my heart. But many people who are no longer here, they, they kind of, I want to say mocked me, but they said, well, oh, so the Lord's slain you in the spirit. What does that really mean? You know, if, if nothing what are you going to do about it or something like that? I mean, they were really kind of demeaning my experience because all I had was my experience at that point. I hadn't learned anything yet. I did not know what it meant. <laughs> I did not know what the steps ahead were going to be. But I just knew that I was, from that point, I mean, I was devoted. I just, I, that's what I knew. I knew that I was committed. So I can't say that I counted the cost when I made that commitment. 
But there were many times after that when transitions would come and the Lord was asking me to do something that before I did it, I mean, I weighed what the consequences were going to be. I weighed what it was going to mean for me to let go of this or to not do that. And one such example is the worship team. And I, I've talked to you about this before, but I'm going to say it again. So many months before, and I don't know, it could have been even a year. I don't remember before um, Pastor transitioned me off the platform and began to develop the teams through Kelly, right? Uh, I don't know when it started happening, but the Lord just began to put on my heart about letting that go, about letting my position go. And I mean, so anytime I thought about it, and you gotta, you got to check yourself here. I mean, think about it. Because this is what the Lord is really saying. I, I thought about every horrible scenario that could happen and how I would possibly feel about, you know, if this happened, how would I feel? What would happen if this happened? How would I feel? And I would start getting really anxious. I mean, it was, think about this. I had been on the platform since the beginning, maybe not leading worship, but I've been doing that forever. So what was that change going to mean for me? And I really went through all the thoughts, the feelings, what it would mean. And for that period of time, anytime I started feeling anxious or like, you know, I'm holding on, I would just walk up to the platform, I'd lay on it, and I'd say, Father, I give this up. And I went through a litany of things I said to him and the litany of things that I gave up regarding it because that position had a lot of facets to it. But I laid it all down, and I did that for a long period of time before the change happened. And I think, God, that was a grace that God gave me because it was going to be so different. It was going to be so life-changing for me. Well, when it did happen, <laughs> it is the truth. I felt nothing. I absolutely had no emotional response. I was fine with it, which is just crazy to me. The only, pro the only challenge I had was, what do I do with my brain now while I'm worshiping? Because I had always been taking care of things while I worshiped. And so my mind was still trying to take care of them on the platform, even though I was standing on the wall. And I'm telling you, several months passed before I finally was just able to, you know, not think of it anymore. It didn't bother me. I wasn't troubled that I wasn't up there. I just couldn't stop trying to, you know, fix it. <laughs> or, you know, whatever. Not that anything was going wrong. I'm just saying the process of being a leader in that way. So, um, so this has happened, um, you know, more than once where, well, like even the praying at night. I mean, it took me three weeks to say yes. Because I was counting, I didn't know I was counting the cost, but I was deliberating whether or not I was going to be willing to die to that thing. And that thing is sleep. Because I'm totally into it. Okay? So, it was, it may not be a big deal for you to get up at night and pray. I mean, so I, this is my experience. I did not want to do it. I, I still struggle. It is only submission that makes me actually do it. It's not, you know, I've said this before, I've talked about this before, because to me this is a huge part of my testimony that should speak to anyone who is making these types of deliberations on whether or not they're going to do what God's asking them to do. How do you count the cost? I mean, the things that kept me in place through all the things were the vows that I had made. 
the first vow was I'll do it I'll go I'll do whatever and I did rehearse that many times when I couldn't didn't think I was going to make it and I would say okay well I promised I would do this and so I would just kind of go on you know another day and then so as time progressed and you know I, I made other commitments to the Lord of what I would be willing to go through to fulfill my calling I would go back to that I told you I'd do this I told you I wouldn't walk away and I won't and that was the thing that kept me it wasn't my devotion to this wonderful place it wasn't even my devotion it is my devotion to God but it, it was that I'd given him my word and when you can't summon up an emotion when you can't summon up the passion that you need sometimes you just got to know what it is that you're doing and that is why you do it the passion will come because once you you've stated your commitment the presence of the Lord his grace everything that 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 grace versus bitterness moment means because you are there a lot and you have to say I'm gonna go forward I'm not gonna fall and and go into bitterness although many times I I wasn't making the commitment right away I was floundering in bitterness I was dealing with my emotions but that's also part of the process. I mean, I know that I learned a lot through that and how I walked out of it. And that's an overcoming moment. But I want you, each one of us, in this moment going forward, think about the worst possible scenario for you. What is the worst thing that could happen that might be a deal breaker? What is the thing that you couldn't abide with if it happened? Because, because I, going forward, I think there are going to be some very difficult scenarios and things are going to change to such a degree that if you are not prepared for it, like I was prepared for that huge transition, and I'm on the worship team you know I'm still the leader you know and, and I, whatever that is and and whatever I'm doing is fine because what I've learned through that is that my my relationship was is with the Lord and that is an assignment that I have that that's not who I am so I I just fulfill that assignment because I'm I'm still asked to do that at this point so um, you know, when I think about that, about that not being a calling but only an assignment, it's kind of weird because you think about what's, what's the future really? What does the future really hold? I mean, God hasn't necessarily told me what I'm going to be doing. So what do I do? I think about the worst possible scenarios. I'm going to be sent to Egypt. I'm going to be, you know, whatever. I mean, that's a joke. But you think, what, you know, what, Lord, what, what are you going to be asking of me? And am I going to be truly willing to do what you're asking of me? And um, if, some, if this happened, would I still go on? If this happened, would I still do what I'm doing? And that's really what I think the Lord is wanting all of us to ask ourselves right now. I want you to think of things that trouble you already, things that you're already dealing with, and things that you just kind of push to the side, if something really manifested there, 
that was completely something that you couldn't abide with, would you still go forward? Would you still still do what the Father is, is asking you to do? Would you still carry what you've been asked to carry? Because I do think that the point, and, and let's go to, well, I don't know if this, let me see what order I have these in. So I'm going to move on because maybe it'll come back up in a minute with another verse. But I just realized that that this was something because it's so funny as I was rehearsing this. See, I'm not really going through this right now. This is not something I'm dealing with. This is something I've walked through and I am trying to relate it to you all so that and you may have walked through it, too. I'm not saying that I'm the only one. No, I, I know you've had to count the cost, but I want, see, I didn't know at certain junctures that that's actually what I was doing. Because when I think about, you know, building a building or going into war, those are not things that I can really necessarily relate to. But I do know when, some, when God puts something before me, what it's going to take to fulfill that on my part, and that's not even you know, in labor or money or stuff like that. Sometimes it's just, you know, the willingness to do what I've been asked to do. Um, So let's look at heavy lifting. This is another passage that (laughs) Pastor spoke on recently, Matthew 28 through 12. And this is talking about the vineyard um, workers, the laborers. And that last verse says, Um, these guys have only worked for one hour and you've made them equal unto us which have borne the burden and heat of the day and you know I'm just in this sense I don't really have anything new to add pastor spoke on this wonderfully and I'm just going to kind of rehearse a couple of the points Um, so we have people like us who God chose, who God knew could bear the heat of the day. That's why I called it heavy lifting. We were willing to do the heavy lifting. The ones who come after us certainly will have much to do, and they'll have to count the cost for themselves and fulfill what God has called them to do. But we plowed this. We brought this by the grace of God. But he saw that he could use us in this way that we were the ones who would be barrows, who would go into the depths, who would dig deep and count what he's asking us to do as a priority, is more important. That partnership is more important than all the things around us. We completely bury ourselves, as it were, um, in the thing that God is asking us to do. And you have to agree that that really does define what, we've, what we did, particularly in the beginning. You know, we we hid in Peace Chapel. You know, we prayed. We really did hide from the ones, the things that were the things that were going around us, and we just dug in deep. We just dug in deep. Um, we we accepted that burden and the responsibility of whatever it meant, because we didn't really know what it meant at the time, but we still did it. Timing. John 16, 1 through 14. This is an interesting, th- uh, an interesting passage. 
because I've always looked at this um, when it says that I have many things to say to you, but you just can't bear them now. That they just, you know, they weren't mature. They just couldn't handle the truth. But really, when you look at what Jesus had been talking to them for the last couple of chapters, and even in chapter 16, it wasn't like he was leaving a lot out. I mean, he was saying much to them. Uh, These things have I spoken unto you that you wouldn't be offended. He didn't want them to fall into a trap, a scandalized so, to be ensnared by the events that were coming. They shall put you out of the synagogues. The time cometh that whosoever kills you will think they're doing God a service. And these things will they do unto you because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things have I told you that when the time shall come, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I said not unto you at the beginning because I was with you. But now I go my way to him that sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin, of righteousness and judgment, etc., etc. And I'm just, I put all this in here because I wanted you to see the depth that Jesus was speaking to them of. And then in verse 12, he says, I have yet many things to let go unto you, but you cannot carry them now. See, to me, this speaks of the timing of when they should receive a, something that they would carry. Because you recognize that everything that you, that you learn or of the truth or any information that you have that's divine in nature, it, you are then responsible for that. You have to carry it from that point forward, which is why what the Word has meant to us as we have carried it. Yes, it may have come from you know a single person, the majority of it, but we've carried that word. We've made that ours. We have embodied everything that God has spoken to us to the best of our ability. So we've carried that truth, and they were not in a position right then to carry what Jesus knew they were going to be needing to know. But that's why he says the spirit of truth is going to come, and he's going to guide you into all truth. So that revelation is going to come as you need it. For he won't speak of himself, but whatever he shall hear, he shall speak. And he will show you things to come. And he'll glorify, glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and show it unto you. So we know that Lego is that systematic laying forth. It's like building. It requires steps of obedience. You know, once we know something, you know, we have to be obedient to that. And that's applied to the plan of God and to the structure that he's building. So that's what that Lego is. And to guide, when it says that the spirit of truth will guide you into all truth, he'll show the way, and like a teacher, and the root means a road, a progress, or a journey. Oh, and it's, I'm sorry, the root word is as a joining of two words, hodos, which is the road or journey, and hegiomai, which means to lead or command with official authority, to go before. So the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth, really just took up where Jesus left off, leading the disciples, leading us, and only revealing those things, those points of hidden things to us, in the proper timing, so that 
And you think about the truth is how it was just line upon line. I mean, how it just absolutely, you know, I always looked at the word as something that was saving me. It was always something I needed to hear in order to be saved again or, or to be, um, that grace was there to, um, you know, maybe explain to me why I felt the way I did or what, I w what the atmosphere was or what I was going through. And honestly, we know it was what we were all going through as a body. I mean, it's something that the word was that cure. So I just, I just looked at this a little bit differently this time because of the perspective, I guess, of this word. I thought it was really kind of neat. Stones of stumbling. What you put out so far, and let's let's look at it from its overall perspective. Um, if the bearing has to do with kingdom authority, which it does, and where you are ordained to walk and to stand wherever the soles of your feet go. Um, you see what John said there where, you know, for 30 years he was big time. He was the one in notoriety. Jesus was the carpenter's son. He wasn't doing anything as far as ministry. And so here he comes, and what does John say? The greatest prophet born of woman. He says that this guy coming is moving in Iscarus, so he has received a directive from the throne. And um, I, I, uh, I'm not worthy. And Hikanos is an antonym of Astenea. That was the recognized antonym of being a form of something that hadn't come online yet. So what he's saying is here, I was never called to do what he's doing. And so I can't, I can't bear his shoes. I mean, I, I, I don't have the authority to do what he's been commissioned to do from the throne. And you think about what John said, you know, I've got a decrease so that the increase can occur. And to me, this is all about the structure of what God does. Everybody doing what they're supposed to do in, in conjunction with the kingdom. And it's interesting that Jesus uses the exact same phrase over and over again about bearing the cross. John says bearing the shoes, but Jesus talks about bearing the cross. So I would think that the cross represents the ultimate authority. For the Romans, the cross represented what Caesar, whoever was in power, said. It had no power in itself other than fear, but it represented a higher authority. For John, those shoes represented what the highest authority said to do. And, and I, just, I just see that demonstration of authority, but I also see... The development of the kingdom. The development of the kingdom. For John, we don't place that much emphasis on him. But he had thousands of people who were coming out to see him every day. <coughs> every day. He was the big star. And here he is saying, 
you know, headquarters is sending somebody to do something that I've got to step back. I was not created to do this, and so I'm going to submit. And that is the, the hidden thing of dying to self and becoming small so that something else might increase. And I think that's essentially what Elijah and Elisha is. You know, Elijah, I, went, I didn't talk to him, but I can't think he would be really happy about somebody else sharing the limelight with him. I, I, and even the way he treated people. I don't care whether you come or not, I'm going. And I mean, you have to, my van's full, get in or get out. So I, I don't know, I think all of these things are things that we're facing now. And for, for all of us, it is, what's, what is my cross now from the throne? How do I fit into this? How do I speak into the astheneos that are coming online now? And whether it's, whether it's the cross, whether it's timing, whether it's words. I mean, I think, I think there was a twofold factor about why these guys couldn't bear the words that he wanted to say. One of them was, maybe they hadn't been paying attention, but also the words that were coming for them to bear were going to be different once Jesus was gone and they had to step into this role. So to me, it's like, what do the feet represent? Standing here, but stepping forward. Keep stepping forward. And that's the essence of bearing and demonstrating the kingdom. But it, it means expansion and leaving things that your feet had stepped through, or stepped in in some cases, <laughs> up to this point. But you're moving, you're moving on. And that's the essence of John. I mean, right there is the key. Iscarus, what am I called to do? And what am I not called to do? And here comes my cousin, who's been doing nothing, honestly. He's been building things with his dad. And after his dad died, taking care of a bunch of kids. And now, okay, here he is. And what's he going to do? He's going to anoint with the Holy Ghost a mission of holiness and the empowerment of it. And I gotta, I've got to decrease so he can do that. It's, it's really interesting. It is. It's interesting, but that not worthy, not being axios, but ikanos, and it being the recognized antonym of asthenia, I didn't know that. Is, is important for him to say those things. This is the greatest prophetic word ever uttered. And yes, it means to die, but to die to what? Not to die to all the things that are coming against me. To die to the next thing that your word is making a way for while establishing what you're supposed to be doing now. That is a big time understanding. And Jesus said that's the most important thing. For John, he couldn't talk about the cross. He had no concept of the cross other than what Rome did. He talked about shoes. And then Jesus uses the same phrase over and over again to talk about the cross. So shoes and the cross equal in understanding to some degree is in the concept of what the kingdom, because the only power the cross has is what headquarters 
gives it through the sacrifice of Jesus. You're not toting your cross wherever you want to go. You're going where you're assigned to go. And you stand there with that cross. And hopefully you're making way for somebody else to come while you're still standing and build off that. It's very interesting. I, I took off there. I'm sorry. Oh, I appreciate that very much. Well, based on what you said, it, it puts me in mind to the last, the last page, the last verses regarding together alone, because you, you, just, you touched on this as well, because you've got, them, you've got the word telling us to you know, bear other people's burdens and then also bearing our own burdens, and it seems to be at cross purposes, but when you look at the actual scripture uh, in Romans 15, it starts out talking about the ones who have dunamis bearing the infirmities of the ones who don't have dunamis. And the infirmities there is, um, I mean, I'm sorry, infirmities is asthenia, but yeah, of the ones who don't have any dunamis. So what does that mean? I mean, I think that in some cases that is talking about those who are already walking in that dunamis um, have received, you know, their commissioning and empowerment, they're helping those along that haven't yet stepped into that dunamis. And we, we're not functioning in such a way that we're just doing anything we want, like Pastor said, not to please ourselves. Let everyone please his neighbor for agathos and oikodomo, which is their, you know, their uh, development um, and for the things that would further the kingdom and agathos. For Christ pleased not himself. Uh, <coughs> it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. For whosoever things, whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our instruction. So we, we through patience or that um, obedient abiding and through the paraclesis, which is that calling alongside of that holy purpose, we actually have hope, the thing that has been placed within us regarding what we've heard from the right hand from L. And, and then look at verse 5. It just repeats this. So the God of your patient abiding uh, and your paraclesis is going to grant you that you would be phroneo, another term that we spent a good deal of time discussing um, this week. And we know that that phroneo, I have it, I have made some notes on that so I remember what was so important. Phroneo and friend, we know that friend is the root word, but we're talking about the hidden place within that is characterized by our core area. This is where our divine and spiritual interaction will bring about inspiration, things beyond the natural. This is connected to our ability to breathe, that friend, whether or not you're going to breathe after the Spirit of God. You know, what are your affections going to be based upon? So as we are in this process with our brethren, and we are bearing the asthenia of those who don't yet have any dunamis, we're, we're basically functioning in this abiding obedience. And we are being called alongside 
and we are calling alongside and that is a continual development as we grow and grow and go and we have to be like-minded phroneo one toward another to according to Christ Jesus that we might have one mind this is a really interesting word I, I don't know if I give you all those down to the root the the homo thymaton the homo phrone the friend the thymos uh, that one mind is really coming back to that root of the friend what is each one of us breathing after are we submitting to the plan of God are we you know moving forward in one in one uh, with one mind and <clears throat> so just following up what pastor said I, I look at that thinking you know that even what he said brings clarity more clarity to this verse this chapter Romans 15 and then the Galatians 6 2 through 5 is where we get bearing one another's burdens so that you fulfill the law of Christ for if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing he is deceiving himself he's he's doing some a bad friend right there <laughs> and but let every man prove or test his own work and then shall he have this couchema in himself alone and not in another for every man shall bear his own burden so I know pastors talked about this but I just want to talk about the things that are standing out to me regarding this when you bear one another's baros and you talk about that being the depth you know digging digging in going deeper accepting the burden partnering with the purpose of God and that being um, the greatest achievement or your priority I mean when we talk about the last 25 years I think that we have borne one another's burdens by continuing to encourage that depth to digging in to not letting go to not falling away and those who were not in agreement with that those who became um, disenchanted with whatever and you can go we can just list a, you know top 20 things there whatever it was it always always really was just one thing and that is they were being challenged and didn't want to submit to what that challenge was for them but we as pneumatica saints we bear one another's burdens we fulfill the law of sonship by doing this together and then by bearing your own burden proving your own work that word burden um, in verse 5 is a different word it's not baros it's fortune and the root word is Pharaoh and this is really talking about um, what a ship is carrying the lading your task or your service to bring forward to produce no one really can help you do that you're the only one who can prove and be tested before the father based on your own fruits no one can do that for you so that is just the way and, and two, look at you have your rejoicing in yourself alone that is that boasting that we talked about that really speaks of submitting laying your neck on the line because that kachema actually is a derivative of the words that we discussed during the seminar 
So it is submitting to what God is doing. And so that boast is, I mean, there is the boast of where you're, you know, you're all high and mighty and you're boasting in yourself and you're boasting against what God is doing. But when you're pneumaticos, the boast in yourself is not that you're so great, it's that you've completely submitted yourself to what God has called you to do and you're willing to bear, to carry what God has commissioned you to carry. Anyway, I kind of went out of line to, um, to follow up with what Pastor was saying. Um, something else that was interesting, if you go back to Stones of Stumbling, in John 10, now this is really just the way I, I saw it, and so if there needs to be correction, I, I submit to that as well. But this is just interesting to me. In John 10, 20, 24 through 33, Then came the Jews around about him and said unto him, How long do you to make us doubt? And this is a totally different word here. Doubt is suke. Wait, he was really pressing their emotional response, their breath, you know, really challenging are you going to breathe after me? Are you going to breathe after these other things that you're trying to keep rolling, you know, in your pharisaical ways? But how long are you going to make us stay in this position? If you're the Christ, just tell us already. And Jesus said, I told you, but you did not believe me. And we know that that has to do with, you know, a pistis or a pistio. It's to believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness. Those, the works I do are a continual point of dying to my own desires and only uh, adhering to the plan from the throne. They bear witness of me, but you don't pistuo, you don't pistus, because you are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My father which gave them to me is Mazon and no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand I and my father are one then the Jews took up stones again to stone him Jesus answered them many good works have I showed you for my father for which of those works do you stone me the Jews answered him saying for a good work we stone thee not but for blasphemy and because you being a man made yourself a god so the thing that I saw here is that when they took up the stones, they really took up the stone of offense. This stone is lethos, which is, oh my gosh, if you looked at where this word is used in the New Testament, all the signature passages where the stone falling, you fall on the stone to be broken, or the stone falls on you to be crushed, the millstone about the neck, the stone is stumbling, the corner that the builders rejected. This is all the same word. And so when I saw them taking up the stones, you know, carrying or bearing the stones, they were basically taking up that offense. They were taking up or bearing the stone of stumbling and not adhering to what God was saying or what Jesus was saying at that time to them and not believing him. They were you know, they were completely um, not convinced of who Jesus was. And you know very well 
that they were wanting to stone him because of his good works. See, they couldn't do that because the people would, would look poorly upon them. They had to find something to find fault with. Oh, you say you're a god. You know, no one's going to fall for that, right? But you know the good works is what was really freaking them out because that was what was showing, that was demonstrating, that was a sign of who he was because he was able to do these things. And it was undermining their authority, undermining their power and their influence. Um, so I just found that really interesting. That, And again, that was just kind of my take on uh, taking up the stones as being, you know, the stone of stumbling, um, their bitterness and their fall um, because they did not accept grace. Um, earthly concerns. How am I doing here? Doing all right, I guess. Then Jesus, oh, John 12, 1 through 8. Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, uh, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then said one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? And this he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bare what was put therein. Then Jesus said, Let her alone against the day of my burying. Hath she kept this? For the poor always you have with you, but me you have not always. So this, the, the scripture we're going to look at in this passage is verse 6, talking about Judas Iscariot, that he bare what was put in the bag. I mean, it's so funny when you just look at scripture from a, one word. It kind of changes your perspective regarding that. And we find out from this verse where Judas' heart really was. It was what was in the back. And even though he was walking with Jesus, he was really just carrying the back. <laughs> that was his burden. That's what he was bearing. And I know there are probably a lot of details about who Judas was and, you know, what the things that were important to him. I didn't you know, study all those things to give you a long tail on it. I just, I just saw that for what it was. I mean, he is, um, his devotion and what he was, the burden he was carrying was in the bag. Well, I do just have one more page. I got four minutes. So Acts 9, verse 13 through 17 how things look versus how things are. I mean, you could probably call this many things. This is talking about Paul, and it's discussing the scenario where Ananias is like, Lord, I have heard many things about this man. He is so evil, and the things he's done to the saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to, to uh, hurt anyone that's calling on your name. And the Lord answers him and says, Go your way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me. He's going to bear my name before the Gentiles, the kings and the children of Israel. 
I think I've taught on this earlier when I was talking about the word show. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Yay! <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> for Ananias went his way and entered into the house. I love this. Ananias just did it. I mean, here he was, and you know he was completely fearful when he was having this discussion with the Lord about Paul. Because he was scared for his life. But what did Ananias do? He went his way. He entered into the house, putting his hand on him, and said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou, as thou came, has sent me that you might receive sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. But, of course, the point is not Ananias' obedience in that situation, even though that's a very good point for all of us. Because and that's why I said how things look versus how things are. You know, things will seem a certain way, but we can only wait for the leading of the Lord in the things we have to do despite what they look like. We can't, we can't go on um, the rumors and even the proof of the rumors and trying to save our own lives or in any scenario. We have to wait for directive in order to um, fulfill what we've been called to do. But the great thing is, is looking at Paul being a chosen vessel. This word chosen is eklage, eklagomai, which of course is um, a derivative of the Lego term that we used earlier. So as God reveals his plan to Paul in a systematic format, he's going to have steps of obedience that are applied to his the over, overall plan of God for him. But the fact that he is eklage, that's an individual who is chosen to take responsibility for fulfilling his part of the plan. It's, it's not just, you know, having this point of development. It's when you actually take responsibility and say that I am going to take responsibility for what God is calling me to do. You become a chosen person because you're choosing to do that. And that's what Paul was. And he was chosen to bear the name or the purpose, the overall plan of God as he, he taught the kingdom to the Gentiles and uh, the kings and the children of Israel, as it says here. So we never really know when we're dealing with someone until God points it out what he's going to be doing with that person. We can't look at the out, outward appearance. Um, I'm, I'm really guilty of this. And I know the Lord has really been helping me with it because I, I know that I've discussed with you guys in the past about how the Lord was showing me <laughs> the way that I view myself compared to other people. And if you're a person of means, I'm not as good as you. But if, if, you have, if I have more than you, then I'm better than you. And I only felt comfortable really ministering to someone that I felt equal with. And I don't mean anyone here in our church because, to me, we're all the same. But when I would see someone that I didn't know and they were really influential or whatever, I would just think, well, I, you know, I'm really not good enough to minister to them. Or you see someone, you know, that comes in, they're stinky, and they've been on the street. I think, I don't really want to minister to them. It's awful. This is 20 years ago. This is a thing where the Lord has taken me through this. I'm just letting you know and being real. So, but we do 
we do have the tendency to judge people by how they present themselves. And maybe even if we go someplace and someone tells us about them, then we've already made our judgment on what's going on with them. Are we going to rely on that? Or are we going to rely upon what the Spirit says to do regarding them? We really have to submit ourselves in that way. And then Paul was also talking in Galatians 6.17. We'll end with this. He says, let no man trouble me. And right there he's talking about, listen, don't bother me. Don't bother me. <laughs> don't try to help me either. I mean, Paul was always trying to get them to leave him alone. He's got to do what he's got to do. And he says here, and, and two, I want to point out that the beginning, Acts passage was at the beginning, his ministry. And the Galatians passage is speaking of toward the end of his ministry when he's saying, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. So his, his journey, the things he went through, which is detailed in Scripture, really was a stigma. It was a mark. He bore on his body the things that he endured. And I feel like when I see you guys, when, because I know you and I know what you've had to give up, I know what your sacrifices have been, I know what you've had to endure, and just like you know, you know the things that I've been through. I mean, you, your obedience and the way that you present yourself or teach or minister is born about in your body. I mean, I can see how you've submitted. I can see what you, you've come through to be where you are when you're in that point of ministry. And I just think, you know, I think that's pretty amazing. We can see it. I don't know what the world sees. But this mark or stigma, because that's what that is, that mark is the word stigma. And it's interesting because it says a mark incised or punched for recognition of ownership. So um, a scar of service, a mark pricked in or branded upon the body to the ancient oriental usage, slaves and soldiers bore the name or the stamp of the master or the commander that they belonged to. And uh, we know, of course, in our society, this word stigma is a mark of disgrace that's associated with, you know, anything. It, you have a stigma or whatever. But in this sense, he bore the mark of you know, being um, a brother to Jesus Christ, to being a follower, you know, and to bearing that name. So I, I thought that was interesting. Y'all have anything to say? We've come, we've come to the conclusion. This wonderful teaching. So wonderful. Anything? Anybody? Thank you. Father, I thank you for this word and for this hour that you got me through. And I thank you for what you um, have prepared for us today. And I, I pray that our hearts would be open, that our, that our spirits would be active and stirred. I pray that you would strengthen the body, that you would um, equip us today for the things that are immediately ahead. I pray that you would encourage your people, and I pray that you would anoint your ministers um, in this house and throughout the Saints Network today. Father, just help us to stay on this path, that our feet would walk according to your ways and on this journey. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.